0: be seated this is Memorial Day weekend it's time for us to remember the men and women who have sacrificed their lives for the freedom that we so enjoy freedom to come and worship like we are this morning freedom of safety not only for us as a nation but for others as well and on behalf of those individuals who have given their lives I would like to ask all of our veterans and active duty military if you would please stand wherever you are right now would you please stand Thank you. Stay standing. All right. This morning, I like us to uh, I like to ask our veterans to stay standing on behalf of those who have have given their lives, I'd like us to just bow our heads and just take about 30 seconds of silence, would you please? Father, we applaud those who have been so courageous and brave to represent our nation. And we are silent to remember the sacrifice has been paid. Father, we ask that you would be with the men and women who represent our country this day all around the world and keep them safe and from harm's way. We pray that a day will come when nations will no longer need armies, when, Lord, uh, Jesus Christ will reign over all the earth. And until that time, Lord, I pray that you would help us to be a nation and a people that stands for freedom, the most precious freedom of all, freedom to worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Thank you. This is the last message in our series, and uh, we're going to be looking at three of the last uh, aspects, the of fruit of the Spirit, which are really three more character traits of our Lord Jesus Christ that he wants to produce in us and through our hearts and our lives. So get your sermon outline out. And let's look at the last uh, three together. And I'm going to ask you to write down the first one. It's on the screen. And you'll see it right now. We're going to talk about practicing the supernatural fruit of what? Faithfulness. Of faithfulness. So just jot that down and get your Bibles open in Galatians chapter 5 so you have it in front of you. How many of you have got this verse memorized by now? You've been with me for the series. All right. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. Let's read it aloud together. Ready? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, Stop. Underline faithfulness. Circle faithfulness. Highlight faithfulness. Put exclamation marks by faithfulness. Because we want to talk about how to practice God's faithfulness in our hearts and in our lives. Before we do that, let's chase that word down a little bit. Let's look at a couple other places in the Bible. Write down 1 Corinthians 1.9 and look it up later. Or if you can turn fast enough, you've got the cheater tabs in your Bible. Go ahead and do that. Let's read it aloud together. Ready? God, who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, is faithful. Who is faithful? God. God is faithful. Now let's look over at Hebrews 13.8. And what's that say? Say it with me, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, Jesus is God, so if God is faithful, that means that God was faithful yesterday, God is faithful today, and God will be faithful tomorrow. Amen? No matter what happens, God is faithful. And I love this last verse, 2 Timothy 2.13. Well worth your time to write this down and even memorize this verse. Let's read it together. If we are faithful, Faithless? Oh, wait, let me ask a question. Has anybody here ever been faithless, unreliable, non-dependable at least once in your life? All right. When you are, it says, if we are faithless, finish it with me, he will remain faithful. That means that God can't help but be faithful because that is his very nature. So just like God is love and can't help but love and God is good and he can't help but be good, God is faithful and he can't help but be what faithful all right so what a great God we serve now let's take a little inventory and let's see how your faithful level is doing question number one do you have full confidence this morning in God's sovereignty over your life even when you experience turbulence this past week I flew out to uh, Canada to help some pastors there that asked me to come and I got on the plane, we took off, and the captain came on the, the system, and he said, we're expecting smooth flight to Vancouver, and so I'm going to turn off the fasten seatbelt sign if you need to get about. You know how they go with that whole spiel? Well, he lied. <laughs> Two minutes later, the plane started to bounce, and we rode the roller coaster all the way to Vancouver. I mean, it, it was not friendly skies this last uh, couple of days. We were all over the place. And you know when the when the play, and I was writing this message during that time, part of this message, and I thought this is so appropriate because you know if you shake for a little bit, that's one thing, but when you shake for the whole journey, there's just something in you that wants to go up that cockpit and say, Move over. Let me smooth this thing out. <laughs> and so as so you could figure it out, right? It is better to stay in your seat with a seatbelt on. And the same thing is true in life. Sometimes we expect to have smooth sailing. We've done everything right. It should be smooth sailing. And what happens? We hit turbulence, and we hit turbulence for a long period of time. And I don't know about you, but we want to run into the throne room and take over and say, God, let me right this ship a little bit and smooth it out. Do you think you and I know better than God? Of course not. So, what should we do? Fasten our seatbelt and be what? Be faithful. Be faithful. Question number two. When others let you down by being unfaithful. Has anybody ever been unfaithful to you? Of course. When others let you down by being unfaithful to a promise or a commitment they make to you, do you take it as a reason to do the same to them? How many of you were children once? <laughs> and I just want to make sure. Okay. Some of you are not sure. Uh, you know, when, when, when you're a kid, how many of you played? Play games. I mean, we used to play all the time. We'd play hide and go seek and tag. And we'd make up all kinds of games. And um, there would always be this rule. And, and you, everybody kind of look at each other and they say, Now, no what? No cheating. Right? No cheating. And then you'd play for a little while and invariably somebody would cheat. Now, how many of you were the kind of kid that when somebody cheat, you stomped your foot and said, I quit? Let me see the quitters. All right. How many of you were the kind that said, Well, if he's going to cheat, I'm going to cheat too? With your hands. <laughs> yes. All right. You know what? That happens when we're grown ups, too, right? In life. It happens to us adults. And so when somebody cheats, when somebody's unfair, when somebody's unfaithful, do you just quit or do you say, Well, if they're going to be that way, if my wife's going to be that way, then I'll be this way. My parents, my kids, my whatever, then I'll be this way? Question number three. Do you always keep your word no matter what? Are you a promise keeper or are you a member of the promise breakers? Promise breakers. Now, what is this word faithfulness that we're talking about? Well, the word means to be reliable, to be dependable. It means to be trustworthy. So, in essence, what we're saying is God is always dependable. God is always reliable. God is always trustworthy. And God would like to take that same character of His, His reliability, His dependability, His trustworthiness, and He'd like to stream it into and through your life so that in life you can be faithful like He is faithful. So that when others are faithless towards you, you will remain faithful toward them. So when you're going through turbulence and storms of life, like Jesus went through when he was on this earth. He remained faithful to his father because he knew his father was faithful to him. Wouldn't it be neat to live a life that way? Always dependable, always trustworthy, always faithful, always believing in others and what God could do in them no matter how they behave or act. Wow. That's what Jesus did to Peter, and Peter turned into the rock. Second characteristic I want you to write down, let's talk about practicing a supernatural fruit of gentleness. Of gentleness. Now, remember, the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit are different. The gifts of the Spirit, not everybody has all the gifts of the Spirit. They are dispersed differently amongst the body. But we all have the fruit of the Spirit because we all have the Spirit. Gentleness. Let's look at a couple of passages of Scripture. Galatians 5, 22. Read it aloud again. Stop. Underline it circle it, highlight it, put exclamation marks around it. What is the gentleness that's being referred to here? Well, Paul kind of defines it for us in another passage of scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I'll get you started, I'm going to listen to you. Let's read this together. Love is... You know like what the coolest thing is? I'm hearing kids read the verse. And it's so wonderful when our children read the scriptures with us. That's one of the reasons why we do this. Isn't that cool? All right. That is, is that like a, a descriptor of you up there? Patient, kind, does not envy, doesn't boast, not proud, not rude, not self-seeking, so not easily angered, keeps no record of wrongs. That's you, isn't it? Well, sometimes I hope it's you. It's what we try to be, isn't it? Right? Let's do a gentleness inventory. Now, I have some bad news for you this morning. This is the last inventory of the entire series. Okay, I'll add some more for the next series, all right? <laughs> Question number one. Do you find it difficult to be submissive to those who are in authority over you? In other words, do you have a hard time doing something someone else's way, especially when you think your way is better? Anybody feel that pain? Question number two. Would others describe you as teachable? Do you believe there's more you can learn, especially in the areas you already feel confident in? That's, the, that's the, the, the stinger part. I have met a lot of people who say, oh, I'm very teachable. But then when it comes to some area that they're gifted or good in, then they say, but I, I, you know, but there, I, I've got it all. I mean, are you honestly the best, the best, the best? All right, question number three. Would others describe you as a prickly porcupine or a soft teddy bear? Good question, isn't it? Is it hard, you know, is it like cl- hard to get close to you because you poke? All right? Or you know, is there a softness? So what is this gentleness that we're talking about? I'm not talking about some anemic Christian or some spiritual sister here when I talk about gentleness. The gentleness here, is actually, it's, it's defined in the Greek. The word that's used there means to be teachable. It means to be submissive. It means to be compassionate. It means to be considerate. And I love this. It means self-forgetting. And I love that. It is hard to forget ourselves, isn't it? We think about ourselves most of the time. But when, when the, we talk about the fruit of gentleness, it is the fruit of self-forgetting. Self-forgetting. But I don't want you to misunderstand this word because the Greek word that's used there is also a word used to talk about taming wild animals. How many of you have a little bit of a wild side to you? <clears throat> we all do. Even if you didn't raise your hand, you got a little wild streak in you. We all have it in our lives. And what gentleness is, is a picture of, of the wildness in a person coming under the mastery and submission of a greater authority, in this case, the Spirit of God. How I many like horses? All right? You know, if you ever see them in the wild or watch them on television... You know, like a wild Mustang, we say it's a wild animal and it's snorting and it's kicking its feet up and it runs like 100 miles an hour, right? And it's a, it's a picture of beauty, of strength, and power. And the cowboy tries to get on it and break the horse. And what does the horse do? It bucks him off, right? Until the horse whisperer shows up. <laughs> she or he, you know, has that touch and that feel and they calm the horse down and they get on. The horse fights at first, but they just know how to kind of uh, how, to, how to break it and make it come into submission and they get the reins on and the saddle. And that wildness in the horse is not gone. It's just now under the control of that person who holds the reins. You and I have a wildness of feelings. We have a wildness of, of drive. We have a wildness of ambitions and a wildness of dreams and a wildness of desires. And the question is, will we bring them into the hands of the Holy Spirit so he can use that to guide our Lives. That's what gentleness means. Have you ever thought about gentleness that way before? That's what it means. I like that picture. Well, I want to look at one more. <clears throat> the last fruit of the Spirit. Write this down. Talk about practicing the supernatural fruit of self control. Self control. So, how can that be a fruit? It says self. And I thought it was the fruit of the Spirit and something the Spirit produces through us. It is. It's called self-control because you have to give it over to God. Now, when we started this series, we said that in order to experience the fruit of the Spirit, we have to abide in Christ. As we end this series with this very last aspect, fruit of the Spirit, I want us to look at that same principle from a different direction. Because unless you and I can understand what it means to practice self-control, we will never experience the Holy Spirit just streaming into us and through, through us the character of Christ himself. And yet self-control is probably one of the most difficult things that you and I deal with. Right? I like what the poet Carl Sandburg said. He said, there's an eagle in me that wants to soar, and there's a hippopotamus in me that wants to wallow in the mud you resonate with that? There's a part of us that just wants to live for God and wants to do what's right and do what's good. There's a part of us that just wants to, you know, kind of swim around in the mud and stuff of life. And self-control is the ability for us to take our wants, our passions, and our desires and, and bring them into the Spirit's sphere of influence and control self-control is just me taking my will i have to self has to make that choice and giving it over to god now what i want to do is is uh illustrate it for you for a couple of minutes this morning and i really want you to pay attention to this and get this image in your mind because i think this is the key to unlocking in your heart and life what we call the spirit filled life And, and so i just want to pray for a moment and ask the lord to do that lord been asking you all day long to please open our minds up to receive this truth that it'll be more than concepts that won't be confusing it'll be something that you'll grab our hearts with and we'll be transformed in christ's name amen okay now in order to do this i would like to have three adult volunteers that means like like high school and up volunteers Uh, to join me you're not going to get fruit thrown at you i'm not going to make you do pull-ups or anything goofy like that but i just need one Alright, right so pastor dave why don't you come up here because i see you trying to get people to come up come on up buddy all right gotcha all right he's over there all right all right so we got one all right you you want to bring somebody with you I, i don't care okay all right well i have two i just need a third person who's like willing come on up right here in the front okay All right, I will let you choose uh, where you want to stand. Like, I need one in the middle, one on the side, and the other on the other side, all right? If you all didn't know, this is Dave Guthston, our our youth pastor. Do you all know Dave? If you didn't, you do now, okay? All right. Not to leave you guys out, all right, but just, okay, your first name? Kaylin? Kaylin? Beth. Beth, all right, good. All right, now you chose where you were going to stand this morning. I did not, so please don't be offended, all right? Dave, you're going to represent Joe Christian, or Dave Christian, okay? All right? You are going to represent Beth, the Holy Spirit, okay? And you're going to represent his dark side, all right? Uh, <clears throat> you have a lot to represent, okay? All right, so, so, no, you're like going to represent his sinful nature. I know you're a very good person. You, you're only standing in for it for a brief amount of time, okay? All right, so here we go. <clears throat> Got a frog in my throat. I want you to take your Bibles, and I, and I want you to turn over to Galatians uh, chapter uh, uh, 5 and verse, I think it's verse 16. Why don't you flip ahead to that slide for me, please. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16. I want you to find it before we read it on the screen, okay? I want you to see it, okay? Now, this is what yielding to the Spirit is all about. This is what self-control is all about. Let's read it. I'll, let me read it for you, okay? You just listen. Paul says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. So, would you put your hand on his shoulder right there? All right. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. How many of you have a sinful nature? How many of you have ever felt it's craving? Yeah, okay. All right. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants so put your hand on his shoulder right because not you but his simple nature wants to do evil right okay the simple nature wants to do evil which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants and the spirit gives us desires you gotta keep your hand up there all right and the spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the simple nature desires now here's how i want what i want you guys to do i want you each to kind of use your hand like grab a hold of his shoulder, and pull him your way. You can grab, that shirt works good too, right? Just back and forth, just back and forth, pull him, back and forth. How many of you can relate to that? Feel that in your life, right? That's what that verse is talking about. You guys got to keep your hands on him, okay? All right, man, all right. Simon says, just keep them there, okay? So we feel that tug in our hearts and in our lives, right? And we've got the sinful nature over here that has its own fruit. Now, these are rotten bananas, all right? Or they're pretty spoiled, uh, and, and they have kind of smell. They're only good for about, uh, you know, uh, banana bread, all right? But you probably wouldn't enjoy these, so I'll let you hold them, all right? You got that hand? I stay up there, okay? Can you hold it with one? There we go, all right? Dave, <laughs> behave. Just, just, just work with me, okay? Stay there, all right? Youth guys, all right? So all right. So, sinful nature, day. sinful nature says, you know, I want you to produce this in your life. Anger and bitterness and resentment and patience and lust and all the stuff that our sinful nature has. But the Holy Spirit says, I have this fruit that I want you to produce in his love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. And, and Dave is caught between these two things. All right, now I want you to look at uh, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 with me. right, so Galatians 2.20, it says this. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. Now, I'm going to stop there. Lead the verse up, please, because what we have going on in this past scripture is Paul's way for us to deal with this tug-of-war battle that's going on in our lives. Paul says, the only way I can deal with my sinful nature, which wants me to produce all these things, these cravings and these things that aren't right, these passions, these desires that aren't right, is is Paul says, I have to die. If I'm dead, then the sinful nature in my life has nothing to control. And so Paul says... I am or have been crucified with Christ. Well, when did did Dave die with Christ? When did you die with Christ? When Christ died, we died with him. Spiritually speaking, we died with him. And Paul says, I'm going to identify myself with him in his death. So it's as though he and I died together. Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. Dead. Now, if David is dead to a sinful nature, now you can take your hand off, then the sinful nature has nothing to control, right? Others have nothing to control. Satan has nothing to control because you're what? Dead. You're crucified. But listen to what Paul says. He says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. But he says, Who lives in me? Christ lives in me through who? Through the Holy Spirit, right? But Christ lives in me. The life I now live in my body, because I'm still very much alive. I live by the faith, not in the Son of God like the translations have, but I live by the faith of the Son of God, the faith of the Holy Spirit, right? Being streamed into and through day's life. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me, Finish it. Gave himself for me. And here's what happens. Dave gets the fruit. And I want you to stand in front of her. All right. she represents the Holy Spirit. Put both hands. One here. One there. All right. And now Dave is under whose control? Holy Spirit's control. Stay there for a moment. Let's go to another verse. Galatians 5, 24, and 25. Right after the fruit of the Spirit passage. Here's what it says. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its what? passions and desires that rotten fruit okay all right since we live by who let us keep in step with who the spirit now if we live by the spirit we can keep in step by the spirit that does not mean that i lead the spirit around okay because if i lead the spirit around then the spirit's not in control what it means is that the spirit is leading me around so beth right would you just give him, nudge him, move him around here? A couple steps forward, a couple steps backward, take him where you want, all right? And then put him back where you were, all right? Now, as silly as that might look to you, who's in control? Beth, or the Holy Spirit's in control, right? Dave's following that. Now, once that happens in our lives, does that mean we never sin again? No. How many of you are a proof of that? Right. It doesn't mean we don't sin again. We will sin. Why? But here's the question. Why do we sin? It's because our nature, hold up those bananas, is always going, here, handle this. (laughs) Keep it there. (laughs) Handle this situation this way. Do this to him. Do that to her. Get this. Want this. Right? And what happens is we take our eyes off the spirit and we put them on our flesh. Right? Now think about this for a minute. Okay, How many of you would rather take these bananas home versus these except for making banana pudding or banana bread? Right? Just to eat. How many of you would rather take this? Okay, I, I hope unless you like rotten bananas, you wouldn't want to take this. But it's amazing to me how many of us love rotten bananas. How many of us love... Man, they stink. I'm sorry. Okay? How many of us... The gnats haven't gotten into them yet. All right? How many of us love... Would rather sin, and as soon as that happens, as soon as we give in to that, then put your hand on this shoulder and have you move yours and get back to the side again. So put your hand here. Then we're back into what? We're back into that war again. What do we do when that happens? We we have to say, Lord, I blew it. God, I got my eyes off you and I looked. I, I looked again to my sinful nature and I gave into it. Forgive me. And the moment we say, "Forgive me," Guess what? There you go. Spirits in control again. Now, in our spiritual lives, there should come a point of progression by which we are less and less under the influence of our sinful nature and more and more under the influence of the Holy Spirit. To one day, we're in heaven and we are perfected. Not in this life, but someday in heaven, we're perfected. Now, where are you on the journey? How are you moving? How are you growing? Let's give these folks a hand. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. I'd offer you the bananas, but I'm not sure you'd enjoy them. All right? They did a great job. Thank you for helping me with that. I appreciate it. Now, I want to say something that's rather sobering, and I don't want to offend you, but I'm going to say it anyway, all right? I think one of the big problems we have in our nation today is that directly attributable to the church and to Christians. And that is that we're not really being salt and light in our world today. I think one of the problems. I think one of the reasons why so many Christians complain about their prayer lives being so lackadaisical and why God isn't at work in them and around them is because, in all honesty and all truthfulness, we don't want to get that hand off our shoulder. We want the things of God. We want the Spirit of God. But in reality, there are a few things we still would like to hang on to in our lives. Certain vices, certain lusts, certain desires, certain attitudes that we don't want to give up. And so we stay constantly like this. And the Bible says that it grieves and quenches the Spirit who's trying to have control. And until we finally say, "I'm done with that, I don't want that sin in my life. I want to be totally submitted to the Lord, until we do that, we don't know His fullness, we don't know his freedom. And we don't bear His fruit in our lives. Where are you this morning, Which describes you? Do you want to give it up? Do you want to let it go? Do you want to live holy to the Lord? That is a choice. That is a choice that God won't make for you. He'll confront you with it. He'll offer it to you, but he won't make for you. You have to say, God, I see it. I want it. That's self-control. And that opens the floodgates for the spirit to just begin to flow in and through our lives. And so this morning, I want to challenge you to pray a prayer. You make it yourself, all right? But here's what I pray every day in my life. And I'm on a journey. I have some good days and I have some not so good days. But, but this is my prayer. This is my increasing plea before the Lord every single day in my life. I just simply pray and I say, Lord, before I start my day, I say, Lord, this morning I want to live fully for you. And so this morning, Lord, I know i got to deal with my sinful nature. And I pray, Galatians 2.20, I just say, Lord, I am crucified with Christ. And I, and I, and I try to pray until I, till I feel it. God, I am crucified with Christ. I'm dead. I'm I'm dead to others. I'm dead to Satan. I'm dead to self. God, I'm just dead. It's no longer I who live. But you live in me. And this life I now live in a body. I live by the faith of the Son of God. Lord, let your faith stream into me I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And then I say, Lord, I've made the transfer, so now take my mind, take my will, take my emotions, take my money, take my resources, take my relationships, take my gifts, my talents, my abilities. I give it all to him. And then I say, now, Lord, fill me with your fruit. I want to bathe in your love so your love will flow out of me, your joy. Oh, be the joy of my, my life this morning and not my circumstances, not others. You be my joy. You be my peace. You're big enough, God. You be my patience, my kindness, my goodness, my faithfulness, my gentleness, my self-control. Lord, I give it to you. Can you do that this morning? There's no reason why you can't do that. Make it your own prayer. Study those scriptures. Get with God. If you'll sincerely open yourself up and say, Lord, I want you to fill me with yourself. Listen, if you mean that with your heart, it's not so much what you say, it's what you mean, and he'll respond to it. Will you blow it? Absolutely. You're not perfect yet. You're perfect in God's sight because His Son lives in you, but it's working its way out in you. And that, and that takes time. And when you blow it, you just simply say, God, I blew it. I'm sorry. Get off. I'm going to live for you. Don't wallow in it. Don't sit there and say, I'm a disgusting human being. I'm not worth it anymore, God. Look how many times I've blown that. Get back on the horse, so to speak, and ride and ride. And you'll begin to build victory in your life. My prayer for you and for me this morning is that we will not stop thinking about the fruit of the Spirit. There won't be this series that we had for a few weeks and on we go. My prayer for you and my prayer for myself this morning is that we will live and practice and pray the fruit of the Spirit every day. Amen? Amen. Well, this morning we're going to close out by doing something that truly is of the Spirit, being generous. As God is generous We're going to reach out to Burma and China I felt so bad last service I got done I didn't know this But there was a refugee family here from Burma This morning And so we're going to be taking a love offering That's going to be sent through Samaritan's Purse Franklin Graham Billy Graham's son's organization Both in Burma and China To extend the gospel of Jesus Christ Through the acts of goodness Through giving a cup of water To people in need They say probably 80,000 people have been killed in China, about the same in Burma, and millions and millions of others displaced. Those are two nations that are so opposed to God. This could be an avenue for God to reach out. I know know things are tight in our economy these days, but listen, God's not a recession. And as you get this extra gift in a moment, I'm going to pray that God will bless you back for honoring Him. Before we do that, though, I want to recognize Becky Carlson. Becky, would you stand for a minute? Becky, just kind of wave your hand. I want you to know that Becky is going with 13 other women to China, a different part of China, in a, in a ministry that uh, called Visiting Orphans. And I just thought, as I heard about that, I thought, well, here, you know, we got our own missionary going. And uh, we'll be going there, so I want to pray for her as well as we pray for this offering this morning. Lord, you've been so good to us. And now, I pray, filled with your Spirit and the fruit of your Spirit, we want to practice generosity, and we want to practice sharing the, the benefits that we've received for people, Lord, who don't know where their next meal is going to come from, who have, don't have a roof over their heads. So please take these extra gifts and bless and use them through Samaritan's Purse. Thank you that we can trust them. They'll be used well and they'll be used to help others. And Lord, I pray that out of EFCN, I pray that out of every dollar we give, it'll represent one soul who will come to you. As Becky and 13 other ladies from different churches go, into China, Lord, to care and minister to orphans. God, bless them, use them. Let their light shine for you in whatever way it can. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Usher's.